In the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in the 26th chapter, notice the wording in the 19th verse. This is as if Christ is speaking. Thy dead men shall live. Now he's saying, thy dead men shall live. So there are people that are dead, and they're going to live. Even in the Old Testament, you find the, the words of a prophet depicting the resurrection, and Christ rightly uh, ascribes them to God. Thy dead men. Not just any dead men, but thy dead men. They shall live. Then he says, together with my dead body shall they arise. Sounds like a resurrection to me. And then he gives us the, the uh, you know, kind of a, um, something symbolic of how, what this is going to look like. First of all, he says, awake and sing. You know, our song service to God is not going to end on this earth. When we quit meeting here at Buffalo Church because the Lord comes back, I hope we don't quit till then. Let's not, let's, let's not forsake uh, that till the, uh, till the Lord comes back if we're alive. But our song service on this earth is not going to end at our death, nor is it going to end when the Lord comes back. The first thing you're going to do, apparently, is awake from the dead and sing. Now, if we are going to awake from the dead and sing at the resurrection, why in the world do we not awake and sing while we experience the first resurrection, which is the new birth? That you're literally alive from the dead when God quickens you, awake and sing. So at the second time the Lord comes back, we're, to, we're going to awake and sing. We're going to sing all in harmony together. That's, for, that's, a, that's an indication of what we're going to do. We don't have to guess. We don't have to doubt. It's right there in the words of God. Paul said these things are written for our learning. So now we know one thing we're going to do. The moment we're resurrected, we're going to awake and sing. <clears throat> he says, ye that dwell in the dust, all those bodies that are laid low in the grave. We, we have those mournful songs and, and uh, we, we spend mournful, mournful times at funerals. The end of this is not going to be mournful. It's going to be glorious. Awaken, sing ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of the herb. So the herbs are a small seed, right? And when they're in the ground, they're covered over with dirt. And if the dew of heaven, in other words, not even a rain, but if the dew of heaven, I'm talking about just a, in, in, in good old southern uh, uh, Tennessee that we live in or, or the southeast United States, our humidity is outstanding, right? How many times you woke up in the morning and, and it's been like 2 o'clock before you can mow the yard because the dew is so heavy. All right, So even without a rain, that water will go and penetrate the ground and all of a sudden you see a green tip coming up, picking its head out, just pushing the dirt over. That's what the resurrection is going to look like. Going to be like like plants coming out of the ground. For what, the way you were sown, Paul says, is not how you're coming out. You're sown incorruptible. You're going to be raised. Oh, you're sown in corruption. You're going to be raised incorruptible. You're sown mortal. Going to be raised in immortality. You're sown in weakness. Going to be raised in power. If the dew can bring the herb out, you think the voice of the Son of God cannot bring you out? It can, and it will. Something to sing about in it. <laughs> That's really something to sing about. All right, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. If we had nothing of the New Testament, we would understand that dead people are going to live. They're going to come out of the ground. The earth is going to cast them out. At the power of something, it's going to happen. 
But now we have the New Testament to confirm it, right? Let's go to the New Testament. And I want to get a, a word or, or two out of this, not because this is not really my subject this morning, but uh, it's, it's still important. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, in the 51st verse, Behold, I show you a mystery. Not everybody knew this. All right? It was, it was hid. It was obscure. But though it's there and it's for our learning, but Paul is going to bring it to a greater light. Behold, I show you a mystery that we shall not all sleep. Not everybody's going to be dead either. Some people are going to be alive on this earth when the Lord comes back. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. So when there's a last trump mentioned, you have to understand there must be a first one, right? Now this trumpet that, that is going to be blown on the last day, I do not blow it. You do not blow it. There's not a person on this earth that's going to blow this trumpet. This trumpet sounds from heaven. It's God's trumpet. You know, we, we sang that song, Blow the trumpet in Mount Zion. Christ shall come the second time. There is a trumpet I do blow. And that, that's what I want to talk about this morning and, and, and as we go through this. But that's not it. I have no power to blow that trumpet. Only God knows the day. And only God has power to quicken the dead out of their graves and cause them to rise. And it's going to be the last trump that will ever sound from God that's on this earth. But there have been others, and we're going to go there. <clears throat> for the trumpet shall sound, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, when the earth cast out her dead, right? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Listen, this, this, these graves are not the final resting place for the children of God. In fact, it's not even the resting place for the wicked. There is no resting place for the wicked. Uh, their, their, their judgment uh, is, uh, is, is going to be horrible. And, and ours will be too if grace had not prevented, Right? But death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, that gives us an indication. Now, now before, I go, before I go there, notice that, that uh, in, 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 in the 15th chapter, Paul says the last trump, right? And, and I won't go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says that the trump of God shall sound. So the last trump is the trump of God. Now, trumpets in the Bible are, are, uh, are throughout, but there's only a few that God has blown that have sounded from heaven. And if, uh, <clears throat> if we can go back and look, let's, 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 let's pretend that we don't have the New Testament, Right? Let's just say the Old Testament Scripture is all we have. <clears throat> now, we're going to use some New Testament Scriptures, but let's just, let's, let's just say that, that is, the Old Testament is what we have. And Paul said the strength of sin, or, 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 or the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. So, so that sin has its strength in the law. As it can point to you and say, look at yourself. Right? This is what the law says. And this is what you do. Alright. 
Let's go to the first trump. There's a last trump. There's got to be a first trump. I'm talking about first trump of God. The first trumpet of God is blown in the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus. The children of Israel, again, no other nation was brought out of bondage, were they? God chose Israel as a nation. The sacrifice of the Lamb procured a Passover that God would not inflict on them a punishment. They are brought out of a land of Egypt. They are brought to the mount called Sinai, of which God now is going to display the strength of sin, which is the law. All right. Now, let's, let's read this. Let's see if we can't... Let's, let's try to glean everything we can from this. All right. So, in the 10th verse... The Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, sanctify them today. In other words, set them apart. Tell them to go wash their clothes. In other words, when, when, when the Lord comes, He wants them to be clean. Right? Tell them wash them. Don't, be, don't be showing up filthy. Go, go, and, go and be clean. That's what the law demands. That's what the law demands. Wash your clothes, be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down inside of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves. In other words, you pay attention to this. <clears throat> that, you do, that you go not up and touch the mountain, uh, go up to the mountain, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it's a man or a beast. It didn't matter. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long. There's your first trumpet. First trumpet's going to come from God. That is blown from heaven. Man does not blow this trumpet either. It's not the minister's trumpet to blow. It's God's trumpet. <clears throat> and, and you know what? I can't change the sound of it. <laughs> and neither can you. They shall come up to the mount. And when Moses went down from the mount to the people, he sanctified the people. They did wash their clothes. He said to the people, Be ready against the third day, and come not at your wife. In other words, if a man was married to his wife, they're to stay separated for three nights. Don't even come together in that unclean way. Because when that happened, they were unclean, right? They had, they had to go for purification inside of God. <clears throat> so... It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And th this, is, uh, this is interesting. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. I mean, my goodness. You'd think God would be a little more kind, wouldn't you? I mean, it, uh, we know he's a still small voice, but not today. <laughs> not today. Listen, uh, this, this mountain was not lined with daffodils and, and tulips. Uh, it was not, there was not a bird singing up there and, uh, and a, you know, a, a bunch of frolicking deer playing around. This is, this is how you meet God the first time the trumpet blows. This is your introduction to God. I can't introduce you this way. This trumpet, though, and, and in, in the Bible, the trumpet indicates a gathering. All right? So when, 
when, uh, uh, and we're going to find that out for sure in the 10th chapter of, of Book of Numbers. <clears throat> but when God says, when you hear the trumpet, you gather. I'm going to blow it. And He don't say part of you can stay behind. He says, when you hear the trumpet, you come to me. And when they came to the mount, Moses says, here's God. <laughs> Listen, when, uh, <clears throat> when, when, uh, when you hear the thunder, listen, when Ginger and I and the kids, it was, gosh, it was probably back in 2008 or something. I've told this story here, but some of you had not heard it. We were laying in bed one night, and it was a thunderstorm. And, and, and lightning struck our house, knocked the power out, knocked the, uh, our, our, our freezer went out. There were other things, hit the house. And you know, you know when, when, when you are on top, top of lightning, the thunder... That, that pushes that air out, right? It, it's a separation. When lightning strikes, it's a separation. It is an immediate rush back. And that thunder was on top of us, scared us to death. Man, they started screaming. Everybody run downstairs. I was scared. I mean, it wasn't over. We laid in bed, and I'll be darned if it did not strike the house again to the point, because the power was off, that the lights came back on by lightning. Busted some bulbs. Thunder immediately. I, this is what Mount Sinai was like. It's not like when you can look at the radar and say, you know, I hear some thunder in the distance. That don't scare me. When the thunder is way out to the north, up in Paris, and I hear the rumblings on the thunder, look on the radar, and I say, it's going to stay to the north. I'm not really frightened. But when it's on top of you, it scares me to death. It scares you too. Don't lie. If you say it doesn't bother you, you're lying. Stand outside when that happens and watch yourself run. This is what the, the children of Israel were experiencing. They were on top of the lightning. Or the lightning was on top of them. It was not a distant thunder that they could say, that doesn't scare me. It was that crack that just, you know, just makes you tremble. And so much that Moses says, I exceedingly fear and tremble. This is God, y'all. This is the introduction to God. <laughs> this is the introduction. Here. People come and meet God. Right here he is. This is God showing us how he hates sin. There's nothing about sin God likes. He don't like your sinful thoughts. He don't like your sinful actions. And he's going to give a law to prove it. Remember the strength of sin is the law. This is meant to strengthen sin. That is, it's meant to make sin become exceedingly sinful. Not in practice. Oh, heaven forbid any of us thinking that we can practice sin and get by with it. Be not deceived. Don't anybody ever deceive you with things like that. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. God's children are going to suffer for their sin. What is sin? What's the Bible definition of sin? Sin is a transgression of God's law. These sin commandments are still intact. If you transgress any one of those laws, you are sinning against God. You are. So let's not do it on purpose. Now that'd be awful to, to sin willfully, wouldn't it? And that not only are those sins, but also all unrighteousness is sin. I gotta refrain myself from going that direction. Let's pull back, let's pull back in. So here, here's a meeting with God. This first time when the trumpet sounds loud and, and long, the children of Israel meet God. <laughs> and everybody's afraid. Even Moses is scared to death. Because, you know, when the thunder rumbles, the earth shakes, doesn't it? Now, you can feel the shaking of our house that night. It just like, everything was shaking. 
So Sinai not only had thunders and lightnings, but it was quaking. It's quaking because of, because of the wrath of God. And that indicates, you know, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 that, there, uh, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. That's one way God reveals how He hates sin. So next time you hear a thunderstorm, it's right on top of you and it cracks. Remember those children of Israel who had to sit there at a constant, constant thunder and lightning and quaking and then God speaks to them. And God speaks to them and gives these Ten Commandments. And they tell Moses, would you please tell him, don't talk to us. But you go talk to him. You know, that's, that's how frightening this thing was. Moses was scared too. <laughs> You're meeting God today. You're meeting God. Oh, <clears throat> This is their first gathering, by the way. This is a gathering that God, the first time God blows the trumpet, He says, this is, this is who I am. In my wrath against sin. And uh, it says Mount Sinai is altogether a smoke because the Lord descended on it. Why is it smoke? Because God was there in His indignation. <clears throat> the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, and waxed louder and louder. God didn't make it go away, did he? he didn't, when they come up, he said, all right, that's enough. Bless your hearts. You, you, there you are just quaking and trembling. I'm going, to, I'm going to be so kind to you now. I'll make this trumpet go away, and I'm going, to, I'm going to come down as a lamb. He comes down as a lamb a little later. He comes down as a lamb and put away this. But God says that the, that the trumpet waxed louder and louder and louder and got stronger, and there the children of Israel was worried to death. So, so the trumpets of God are gathering, just like the you know we read about the resurrection, did we not? That the trumpet of God is going to sound. The trumpet of God is going to sound. The last trump. What's going to happen? People are going to gather to God. They're going up. I don't blow that. Do you? Do you know a preacher is going to blow that trumpet? Do you know anybody here? other than God that blew this from heaven. There are heavenly trumpets that gather people together. Alright. Now, I want to show you now that if we didn't have the New Testament, this shows exactly what happens to God's people when they're born again. Most people think being born again is the most pleasant thing on this earth. No, that is when you first meet the real God and you are exposed before the, the, uh, the God of heaven. So, so John was, you know, in the book of Revelation it says that I, John, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Wasn't fishing. Wasn't hunting. Wasn't laying in bed. He was in the Spirit of God on the Lord's day on a Sunday, which is the Lord's day. And he said, I heard a voice behind me a great voice as the sound of a trumpet. And he said, that voice said, I am. That, uh, if he stopped right there, John knew who it was. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. So Christ is gathering John, right? For a purpose. He didn't say, Christ didn't say, John, if you don't mind, would you please write this down for me? This is, this is the same God at Sinai, by the way. Yes, this was Christ. 
He didn't, ask, he didn't ask John, if it's okay with you, would you please pin these words down? I need you to. The voice was like the sound of a trumpet. It gathered John, and, God, and Christ says, you write to the seven churches at Asia what I tell you to pin. John's like, okay, I'll do it. That, that's, that's, that's the reaction, you know, that we're supposed to have to the trumpets of God. Even, even a gathering of a man on the Lord's day to write something down. John did not argue with God and say, I don't have time right now, Lord. Come back at a later time when I, get, when I have a little more time to, uh, to, to assist you in this. John said, okay, where's my pen? And he began to pen the book called Revelations. So Christ's voice is like the sound of a trumpet. It is a gathering voice. Now, now when... Uh, when the idea has been pressed that that uh, that being born again is is at a is a is the decision of the sinner, and that uh, that when you decide to go get born again, that that, that it's all fields of of, uh, of tulips and, uh, and 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 daffodils and there's singing birds. That's wrong. Okay, that that is that is uh, somebody somebody does not know how or, or what went on and what goes on when God discovers the law to you. So this is a discovery of the law, right? The discovery of how God feels about sin. Now notice the Israelites, no other nation but Israel, in this instance right here, are, are, do, are, are they brought to God as a trumpet brings them to God, right? Gathers them to God. God says, Moses, this is God meeting. This is the real God, by the way. Now, it is a... It is a work, the first time, listen, if, if the first trumpet you've ever heard from God, you didn't hear it audibly, not like they did, but the results were the same. The results are the same. <clears throat> now God says Himself, in the book of Jeremiah, and it's repeated over in the book of Hebrews, New Testament Scripture, going to confirm this. God says, this is my new covenant. This is how I work in the new covenant. Now, the new covenant did not come to pass when the New Testament got here. I mean, it, didn't, it was not formed when the New Testament got here. Let's put it that way. It was exposed then. But the, new co- the covenant of grace is as old as God is. Now, he's eternal, right? The covenant of grace was with God before He ever formed this world. But God, in the new, when the New Testament came, He simply revealed things to us that we can identify with what we feel. Just like the Israelite here came when they heard the voice, when they heard the trumpet sound long, and there God is, and it's, it's like and their lightning and thunder is right there on top of them, and they're shaking to death. So this is what God says concerning that. This is how I work, God says. I will write my laws in their mind. These are on tables of stone. God does not fool with tables of stone when it comes to writing His laws and the minds and hearts of His people. Now their hearts were like stone when He did it, but this is when God's people's heart are made like, like to, to, wealth, to, to melt like wax, right? God says, I'll write my laws. These, these same commandments God puts inside and pins them, engraves them in your mind. And he says, and I will inscribe them in their hearts. And I will be their God. So this is a gathering. This is when God, this is when there is a collection of people to the Lord. 
I don't blow that trumpet. You don't blow that trumpet. There's not a preacher on this earth that assists God in bringing one of His children unto Himself. Jesus Christ makes it as plain as anybody. No man can come unto Me. No man. No man can come unto Me except My Father which sent Me draw Him. That word literally means drag. Nothing but it means pull to. Gather to. You find this over in the book of, uh, in the book of, uh, uh, of Genesis, the 4-9 chapter, when, when, uh, when Jacob is giving his instructions to his children, talking about Judah, you know, where, where, who Christ came from. He said, A lawgiver shall not depart from between thy feet, or, or the scepter shall not depart from thee, and a lawgiver between thy feet, until Shiloh come. You know who the last king was? Christ. That was the last king God that God ever had a regard to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, till Shiloh come. That, the word Shiloh means Christ. We sang that song. Uh, through Shiloh's wide dominion, hear the trumpet loudly roar. That's the gospel. <laughs> That's what, uh, oh, I'll get that in a little bit. <clears throat> this is not the gospel right here. I'm talking about this is the new birth, right? <clears throat> this is, so, <clears throat> there's not going to be a a lawgiver depart between thy feet till Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. There is no doubt in the, in the voice of a man named Jacob that God has put the Spirit of God that in him that when he says that unto him shall the gathering of the people be, people are going to be gathered to the Lord as a part of him because God's going to draw them. They're going to hear a trumpet. God's going to write in their hearts and their minds his law. And God's going to say, you're mine. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And do not go around, God says, every man to his brother and every man to his neighbor to tell him to know the Lord. This is not your business to get anybody to know the Lord by experience or by the way God blows this trumpet and calls you to himself. It is out of your power. It is out of my power. And if it was in our power, we would do it wrong. That's why God doesn't leave it in our hands. He cannot leave such a thing in the hands of a sinner. He's going to do it wrong. <clears throat> he says, don't go about telling them, no, they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, and I'll forgive their sins and their iniquities I'll remember no more. Sounds like forgiveness, right? Because it is. That's why it sounds like it. <laughs> now, see, when God, in other words, that's the first time you meet, real, meet the real God. <laughs> Like when Moses says, come meet God. When you're born again, that's what God writes in you. And the strength of that sin. Now, now Paul described it this way. He said, when the, uh, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Things were different after this. Paul said, when the commandment, commandment of life came, and I was, I was, the Lord quickened me and wrote His laws in my heart. And my, he said, sin revived in me. That is, sin became exceedingly simple, is what Paul said. And, and it's, uh, it, listen, it's like lightning. It's just like, just like Mount Sinai. Excuse me, I didn't mean to, to spit. Let me drink. Just like Mount Sinai. When lightning strikes, there's a separation. And there's fear. The thunderings of God's wrath. When the Spirit of God comes in you, there is a separation from you, from your love of sin. So Paul would say, what pleasure had you then in those things 
whereof you did, where, where, uh, those things that you did, whereof you are now ashamed. Why are people ashamed of their sins? Because God inscribes the law in their hearts, in their minds. Listen, he, he pins it deep. Somebody say, uh, uh, ask me, why don't you steal? Because the laws of God are inscribed in my heart and mind. I don't want to. Why don't you believe in abortion? Because God's laws are inscribed in my mind and my heart. I don't want to believe in something like that. It's foolish. <clears throat> Why do you go to church every Sunday? God wrote it in my heart and in my mind. It's His day. That's where God describes things. I have no joy in sinning anymore. I don't say that I'm not a sinner, y'all. I just have no joy. See, it affects, it affects the conscience. When God, whatever God writes, it affects the mind. It affects the way you feel. And it affects your heart. That's where God pins these things. In the very seat of your affections, right here in your heart and in your mind, how you think. Even my thoughts condemn me. I think, how in the world did I come up with something like this? Even, even wanting vengeance against somebody. You know, you think, what a worm, what a wretch I am. God's law approves it. He doesn't argue with me. Ain't nothing about God doesn't say no. He doesn't say I'm going, this this trump is going to go away. You know I'm going. I'm not going to. Uh, what I teach you is not really right about yourself. Don't feel so bad. You're entitled, Lofton, to think things like that. Let entertainment tell you how to think. Let let uh you know let let everybody let the world let your government tell you how to think what's good and right. Don't worry about what I. That's not how God is. It's not how God is whatsoever. That's why we've made Him, supposedly. But that's not right. So unto Him shall the gathering of the people be. It's a, it's a trumpet sound. God writes His laws, and then you tremble. Listen, if you don't tremble when God quickens you of His Spirit, it's very likely that you ain't been quickened. If you have no problem sinning, no problem whatsoever, you find that joy. You know, when, when, when Paul talks about the second coming of Christ, when he takes vengeance on them that know not God, he also says to them who have pleasure in unrighteousness. I have unrighteousness. I have no pleasure in it. And there's a difference. Some people love sin. I would love it just as much had not God rolled His laws in my heart and mind. He didn't change my nature, y'all. He didn't change yours. He simply separated me from it like light. Because Christ is like light, and is He not? Did not, did not the Lord say Himself, as of lightning that, that, that shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be? He, he makes Himself like lightning, right? Christ means to divide you from yourself. Separate you from your sins. Listen, when... The, when uh, <laughs> Because when you sin, it's like the, the crashing of that thunder coming back, isn't it? You ever, been, you ever felt guilty for what you've done? I hope so. I hope you have felt guilty. It's like, so it's like the crashing of that thunder. God has separated me from my sin, from my love of sin. And here I go, sinning again, doing the same thing that, you know, that I know I, that I shouldn't do. And then, and then, and then God corrects by His rod of, of, of chastisement. It's like... It's like and then you, then you start beating yourself up. Why? Why am I so stupid? 
Why am I so? Why do I? Why am I my enemy? And we are. We're our own worst enemy. We shouldn't be that way. The gospel is going to save you from that. Uh, I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, bear with me. We're probably going to go past twelve o'clock. How about that? It's amazing. Uh, so the so the first time you've ever met God, it put you on your knees, did it not? Did the apostle not the apostle Paul when he met God in that way on the road to Damascus? Did he not tremble before the Lord? He didn't. He didn't dance the jig. He trembled. And then says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Notice what comes after the new birth. What wilt thou have me to do? Now, if God has ever written the law in your heart, it is the strength of sin. Yeah, it is. That law proves every day that you're a sinner. God says don't do it. You say, I can't help it. I covet. I covet this and I covet that. I have lustful thoughts. I have lustful feelings. I, Jesus Christ said if you, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery already. You don't have to do the act to be a sinner. Well, what's going to happen? If, 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 if the law is, if, if God is like this, and that's how God is. Don't let anybody put any smoke and mirrors in front of him and say, he doesn't really care if you sin or not. He don't care if you break his laws. This is different nowadays. We're on the New Testament. God doesn't care. I, listen, if I had another hour, I would tell you and show you exactly what law you sin against when you sin against God now being born again. Maybe that's for another time. But you do sin against the law. But there's one law you can never sin against again. And that's the law of sin and death. Why? Because the Lamb. The Lamb of God. You see, when, uh, when Paul said, Cursed is every man that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. That, that doesn't sound pleasant to me. It sounds like we're under a curse. Now, like uh, the curse of sin. Right? Yeah, that's it. Go ahead and say, yeah, it's the curse of sin. That all men, once Adam fell, everybody, including God's children, fell in sin. Paul said, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy and great love, worthy love, is even more dead in sin, that quickened us together with Christ. You see the result, though, of the death of Christ is eternal life. But that eternal life didn't come cheaply. Your eternal, you were not paid for on, on one thing you're not, you were, you were not paid for on a payment plan. So that Christ pays a little bit here and he pays a little bit here. And, uh, and, and at the end, hopefully, you know, you're going to get this thing right. And that he, that he can purchase you correctly by paying a little. Listen, the whole thing of sin and this law. So, so. <clears throat> The same way that Moses stood before that mount and exceedingly shook and quaked, Jesus Christ shook and quaked, dreaded in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was, uh, in fact, it says that with strong crying and tears, he made his petitions to God, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And he wasn't talking about the cup of death. He's not trying to get out of dying for you. But the agony of the dread. That's when the guilt of your sins were, were on Christ, when He was in the garden. 
The punishment of it came in Calvary. But the guilt of it. Every time you feel guilty for doing something, remember, Christ felt that. <laughs> you know, with strong crying and tears, he petitioned to God in that he feared. Jesus Christ was scared to meet the law of God. Because everything that you see at Sinai and all your sins and everything, that, 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 everything that's contrary to God in you, which is your whole nature, somebody's got to pay for it. And it's not you. So Paul would go to say, Jesus Christ was made a curse for us. Hmm. Sounds like something was removed from us and placed on Him. Sound like the curse of the law, wouldn't it? Curse of sin. It's almost as if Christ is a sinner, and yet He wasn't. Christ was made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. There is where the curse was put away for you and I. For every child of God. For every spiritual Israelite. Notice, remember, we're, we're thinking now that we don't have a New Testament Scripture. You can tell God chose a people. God gave the law to a people. In the Old Testament, yeah, we, we just read it. <clears throat> Spiritually speaking, God has chosen a people. God writes His law in their hearts and in their minds. That's how they identify themselves as the children of God. And that's how they know that the curse of the law you'll never bear, but it was placed upon Jesus Christ who bore, bore that curse on a tree, on a cross in Calvary, right? I mean, this, this, is, the, <laughs> this is like the, the, the climax of everything that's ever happened in this world. This is the greatest day on earth. When the Son of God was suspended between heaven and earth. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and bore the wrath of God, bore that law, that thundering and lightning wrath of God, God poured on him. You'll never have to experience that, ever. Christ said, Father, glorify thy Son, that he may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give, not offer, but that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. God says, here they are. They're yours. He says, I'll take them. I'll go bear their sins on the cross. Uh, uh, and and, and uh, so the Christ says, that they might know thee, the true and living God, and his son whom thou hast sent. How do you know him? But he writes his laws in your heart. That's when you meet God. But he doesn't leave us there. And that's where the gospel comes in. Right? <clears throat> the gospel in the, in the, uh, in the tenth chapter of... Uh, in the 10th chapter book of Numbers, we have two trumpets that God says to make. He told Israel in the 10th chapter, He says, you make two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece you shall make them. They're, they're not to be assembled together, right? Now, when, when, uh, this, is em, this is an emblem now of the gospel, right? Because God says, you make these two trumpets and how you blow them is going to determine how the Israelites are going to take what I command them. So the one trumpet was to be blown, was to gather the assembly together. That is what the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to gather God's people together. Gather the assembly. And, uh, and, and, and listen, 
God didn't say when, when the, and, and the priests were to blow it, right? The people who were, who were the ones who gave the law or gave the meaning thereof, the scribes who were part of the priesthood, or part of at least the Levitical priesthood, they blew the trumpet. If they blow it right, God's people are going to understand things. If you, if you do not blow it right, it leads to confusion. So, so let me give you an example. Let's, let's, say that, let's say that I took trumpet lessons for a year and a half. My wife and kids are, are already smiling at this. <clears throat> For a year and a half, I took trumpet lessons. And that was the only trumpet you ever heard play. You never heard any other music whatsoever. All you ever heard was me playing a year and a half of, of, of lessons on trumpet. And, uh, and, and sometimes I get the notes right. You know, sometimes I hit them pretty good. And sometimes it would, you know, it make cringe. you like, that sounds okay, but it just don't sound right. Then there goes I'm on thing you ever heard, right? And I play that trumpet over and over in your ears, and there's part of it. You say, "Yeah, I can go along with that." Oh gosh, he gets off right there. Darn, he, he's just like he hits a sour note every time. He hits a sour note at that spot right there. You don't know any better. That's all you ever heard. Me blowing the trumpet. Not that good at it. Then all of a sudden, you hear Louis Armstrong, Satchmo. Pops, they used to call him, who was a trumpeteer. You hear him blow and you say, that makes sense. There are no sour notes in the way he blows that trumpet much better than what Lofton can blow. That is the way it's supposed to sound. That's the gospel, y'all. <clears throat> and that's why it's important to preach the gospel according to the word of truth. According to God's word. Because there's parts of it people blow that, that make, make sense of, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then, then they get off at the end. I, listen, I hear a sermon sometimes, and they preach a sermon of sovereign grace, salvation by grace, all the way through. And it's wonderful to hear until they get to the end of it. They say, but all you have to do is accept Him as your personal Savior. Or just trust in the Lord. Or you're going to hell. Or they say, now sinner, you who feel like you're a sinner... Now you come give your life to Christ. I just told you, if you feel like you're a sinner, God's already wrote His heart, or laws in your heart and in your mind. We don't, listen, we have the Old Testament teach us this. So that you have an identity with God. That you tremble before God. You hate your sins. You fear God. You're supposed to fear God. The Gospel exactly confirms what you are. So, so, uh, so in the book of Isaiah, it says, uh, Arise and spare, or cry and spare not. <clears throat> Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people of their transgressions. Confirm what they are. I'm going to confirm it. You're a sinner. You deserve to go to hell. I'll just go ahead and confirm it. Just like me. Just like my little Teddy. My little grandson. He's a sinner. Already kicking at his mama. They're not born righteous. They're not conceived in righteousness. David says, I was shaping in iniquity and conceived in sin. David's mom and dad, I don't know his mama's name, David named Jesse, all they gave him was a sinful nature. That's why you must be born from above or the law of God written in your heart and put it either way you want to or quickened or called. All those things mean the same thing. And God will do that. That is His trumpet. That's His calling. That is not mine. I don't get to blow that and have no power in it whatsoever. God does it at His own time. 
But it identifies you as a child of grace. That's how you know, friends. When you tremble before God. So, so the trumpet here, and it's so strategically placed in the Scripture. God is such a wonderful God. The Israelites like 10 days. 10 days. Being a year at Mount Sinai. And then God gives them trumpets. First trumpet, He says, is to gather my people. He says, whenever you see the glory or the cloud that's over the tabernacle, when it comes up off that tabernacle, you blow the trumpet and tell them, God's moving, you move with it. Don't you? Nobody had nobody had option to leave a lagging behind. But who would want to? Best to follow God, isn't it? And the second trumpet was for war. To sound the alarm when the enemy came. Both of these are in the gospel field. They're both in the God. So they, so they, so they, so God, and nearly one year after being at Sinai, God's cloud comes up. Because God removes them from that. His cloud comes up, the priests blow the trumpet, the children of Israel gather together, and then God methodically places them into a land called. Haran, which is on the borders of the land of Canaan. That's where God intends them to be, right? Because over there, there's red. They're the enemies, right? Yeah, there's, oh yeah, there's enemies. God says, over there, I got, you got a land flowing with milk and honey. Over there, you don't have to, like in Egypt, you have to go get your water by foot. In other words, you have to go get a bucket and, and dip it out of the rivers and go and water your garden. All this over. No, God says, you've got the rain of heaven over here. You don't, have, you don't have to do that stuff. All this, this, all this which, is a, which is a type of the church, y'all, which is a type of the New Testament church. Not heaven. Though it is almost like, because uh, in, the, in the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy, God says concerning this land, it is as the days of heaven on earth. I mean, the, and if, 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 if Canaan land was as the days of heaven on earth, what about the kingdom of God that came down? I mean, Jesus said it came down. What we're doing today came from God. Y'all understand that? You understand what God has given us on this earth? It came down from God. My job is to call, is to preach, is to command or to teach Christ's commandments that we gather together. You may say, I wish you wouldn't preach that so much. I mean, I've got to preach it. It's in the Word of God. I can't help it. But it's also to tell you that you've got a war to fight. When they went over to the land of Canaan, guess who met them there? The Son of God met them there. What did he have in his hand? He had a sword drawn in his hand. And old, jo- uh, uh, old Joshua went over and said, Are thou force or for against us? And the Son of God says, As the captain of the Lord's host, I am here. Joshua fell down and said, Lord, what will you have your servant to do? First thing he says, you, you take your shoes off your feet and stand on holy ground. Okay. <laughs> take my shoes off. Didn't argue with him, did he? It's best we don't argue with the Lord. Best we just follow the man with the sword. This is the sword that Christ yields in His New Testament kingdom. It is the Word of God. Whatever it is that keeps you from serving God, you take this sword and it's going to devour it. I don't care what it is. Whatever need you have against your enemy, you will find in this Word of God 
It doesn't matter what it is. It will be found in here. You can defeat all your enemies that keep you from the kingdom of God, that keep you from the joys that are in Christ Jesus, that keep you from that which came down. There are the days of heaven on earth. The Word of God will do it. Nothing else will. Not the television. Not the radio. Nothing. None of that stuff will. Uh, and if I preach this right, I'm going to get it like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> it's going to make sense to you. You're going to say, he don't, he don't hit a sire note anymore. That makes sense. There's an eternal salvation that is in Christ. Then there's a kingdom over here that those people that God calls with His gospel says, go in and get it. Did they do that? No, they didn't. What happened? For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Not everybody is obedient, but it's to their own detriment. It was to their own detriment. Do you, know, do you realize that the children of Israel could have been spared the serpents biting them? Because all this happened after they denied to go into the land of Canaan. Did you realize they would have been spared uh, 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 Balaam uh, teaching Barak to teach them to commit fornication with the daughters of Moab and the Midianites so that God would destroy 70,000 of them? How, much th- how many things can be avoided when God's people simply follow the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of pain. A lot of anxiety. A lot of trouble. A lot of divorces. A lot of sickness. A lot of depression. Not to mention that, 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 that the churches will prosper if we obey the Lord. Sure we will. What the Lord says. I appreciate Brother Graham, what he said uh, last night as we, as we uh, left Mama's. said, I'll see you all in the morning. He said, I hope there's a lot of people there. It just makes me feel better when, the Lord, when, when there's a lot of people at church. Me too. And guess who else that makes me feel better? The Lord Himself who said to the, to, the, to the servants, to the ministers, you go out and you tell them to come in. I want my house full. We oftentimes think that it doesn't bother God. Listen, that, that's a law. <laughs> it's pinned in the hearts of God's people. How much better are the churches when the man with the sword is followed? Jesus Christ said, If a man will serve me, let him follow me. For where I am, there shall my servant be also. And him will my Father honor. Listen, the Son of God would not be hunting or fishing on the Lord's day without going to the house of God. Certainly wouldn't. Yeah, we got, we got more sense than that. He wouldn't be watching the ball game. He wouldn't be laid back on the couch watching a, watching a baseball game. He would not be. He'd be in his house. He'd be in the kingdom of God worshiping with us. He'd be praising God the Father. That's where the Lord would be. That's where we all should be. That's where I want to be. Do you want to be there? Do you want to follow the man with the sword? The man with the sword says, here it is. Take this right here. You can defeat your enemies. Whatever it is in you that keeps you, you'll find here in the Word of God. It'll also confirm your salvation. Now I'm going to to close with this. uh, this This is kind of too good to pass up. Concerning an event to show you 
I'm, I'm going back. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the... <laughs> so, so God removes them from Sinai, removes them from the law, teach, go takes to a land that says, here is your rest. Notice what the land of Canaan is, a land of rest. And God swore, right? He swore because those people gave an evil report to do it. No, that, that land, we're not going to take that land. We can't do it. We can't do it. To say you can't do something is basically saying that God can't do it. Or that you don't care about God. We don't believe God. But it was their unbelief, wasn't it? Their unbelief kept them from going to the land of Canaan and they caused themselves 40 years of harm. And God said, I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. He didn't say they weren't going to heaven, did he? He said, they shall not enter into my rest. I need rest. This world's not my home. I need rest in here because I don't like myself. There's nothing about the nature of Kevin Lawton that I enjoy. Period. I mean, other than, you know, the, the, the lawful things, I enjoy the, the, the natural relationship with my family. I'm talking about the, the corrupt, sinful nature of Lawton. I hate it. I wish it were different. It will never go away until I die. And that's it. They'll never haunt me again. Ever. Because <laughs> Jesus made that curse for me. But I've got to fight it until then. But I've got the best thing to fight with, right? I've got the Bible. I got God's word. I've got uh, I've got confirmation, also, of God's testimony written in my heart, His laws in my heart, and that's what I want to follow. <clears throat> to show you that God does not need anybody to blow the first trumpet, and to show you that whoever the first trumpet has blown for, the last trumpet is going to sound for. Everybody that God's ever written His laws in their heart, the last trumpet is going, that's your trumpet. Your war, listen, your, the Lord's going to gather, going to collect you up. Because He already collected you once, didn't He? He brought you to Him. He showed you you're a sinner. And then if the gospel's preached right, somebody's told you because He's written that in your heart, Jesus has paid your curse. You're not going to bear it. Now that is something to be happy about. All right, so there was a time when Jesus Christ was 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 carrying that cross, uh, you know, with the uh, uh, going up to a place called Calvary. There he was, and it says that the people were mocking him, they were reviling on him, reviling on him. That is, they were contradicting, cursing, and swearing, calling him this, calling him that. They were ridiculing the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says concerning two malefactors or two thieves, they plural. They also, which were crucified with Christ, reviled on Him. Both of them. Two thieves. Both these thieves were looking uh, at the Lord as they were all carrying their crosses, about to be strung up. Right? <clears throat> and this, uh, both thieves were reviling, complaining, telling Him if you're, you know, come on man, if you're, if you're Christ, give me off this cross. They don't tell Him what they said. They cursed at Him. They don't tell Him what they called the Lord Jesus Christ. And there He went. <laughs> right up the hill. And, and, and for three hours, for three hours, people went around mocking, cursing, swearing, ridiculing, if thou art the Christ, they'd say, come down off that cross. Listen, he says God's going to help us. If God delivers him, if he sends Elijah and, and, and helps him. And there the Son of God was like a sheep 
dumb before the shears open out his mouth. Just let him speak. Let him speak. Let him speak. Before the sixth hour, which was 12 o'clock, he hung at nine. So from nine to before 12, the thief on both sides were railing on the Lord. But lightning struck one thief. That is the trumpet blew. And I can see that old thief sitting there cursing at the Lord Jesus Christ, strung out on that cross, just, I mean, just giving him down the road, and all of a sudden he bows his head. And them tears start flowing out of that old thief's eyes. And he realizes something now that he had never seen before. God has pinned the law in his heart and in his mind. And his old, his old head bowed now, and tears are flowing out. And as the other thief is still reviling, and I think he was on his right side. It doesn't say in the Bible. We do know that Christ was in the middle. I can see him looking around and saying, Dost not thou fear God? You see, something's happened to him. Where he, remember, the, when, when God writes His law, there's fear. This man now is exceedingly fearing and quaking. Nobody, no preacher helped him there. Anybody preach to him? Jesus didn't even preach to him. He's going to. He's going to give him a nice sermon in just a few words. Dost not thou fear God? You know, David wrote in the 55th Psalm, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Paul wrote in that great biopsy of human nature, of, of our corrupt and depraved, there is none that feareth God. Not even you. If you do, God's written His law in your heart. It's almost like, how do you not fear? Because there's something that's happening. He's, listen, that man's been divided, hasn't he? Doth not thou fear God? Seeing we are justly condemned. And this man, and I can see his old eyes going up to the Son of God. This man hath done nothing. But what he's, what he's going through is for me. You know. Though this thief is not quite sure, but there's something changed in this thief. You can't doubt that. This man's done nothing amiss. And yet that other thief was still doing what? Reviling. The other thief was saying, If thou art the Christ, get your stick down and save me too. Get down from off this cross. That dummy, don't leave us up here. But not, not, not the one that's right. Them old tears, you can see him and looking up. And he pleads to the Son of God. He didn't even say, Forgive me for my sins, did he? But he called him Lord. Lord. I know what Paul called Jesus Christ after he was born again. Lord, what would I have me to do? This thief knew he couldn't do anything else. That's not what he asked. Paul had more life. Paul's life, he wasn't crucified. Paul was, Paul was just simply uh, quickened by the Spirit of God. He had more life to live. Now what do you want me to do? This thief knew he was dying. There's no what do you want me to do. There's nothing he can do. But Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. How did he know he had a kingdom? The same God that gave him the fear that wrote the law in his heart also showed him this man is the only means of you entering into the kingdom. He's got a kingdom. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus Christ did what a lot of what 
he don't say is just as important what he does. He didn't say, he didn't look to the right, and I think he got it right, and say, friend, you don't have time to make up for all your faults. I wish you did. If you would have decided, you know, if you'd have done this a long time ago, your good could outweigh your bad. But look, your life is spent. There's nothing, there's no hope for you. He didn't say anything like that, did he? He didn't say, friend, I can't get you down to baptize you. You're going to die like this. There's, there's no salvation for a man like you that's not baptized in water. He didn't say that either, did he? He didn't tell him, friend, I'm not sure. Let me consult with the Father and the Spirit and see. Till then, since your sins are you're pretty, pretty bad, and you haven't really been purged from all of them, I'm going to send you something called purgatory. You're going to stay out here for, you know, for, for, for a few years, whatever it takes, and maybe some of your family can, can pray you into heaven. Come on, y'all. That is being taught and has been for years. No such thing as purgatory. He didn't say anything like that. He didn't say, what, are you going to accept what I'm doing for you? Will you accept what my, my work? Listen, Son of God knew this man before the world was even formed. God quickened this man before the man died. So they give us a lesson of the trumpet of God. He simply, in about a nine-word sermon, this said, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Not later. Christ went first, didn't he? Yeah, Christ, Christ gave up the ghost at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Three more hours when the sun was darkened. Don't you know that thief was thinking, oh, I am ready. I wish my last breath would come on. I'm ready to die. The man has told me I'm going to be with him in paradise. All these fears are gone. That's what the gospel does. When it's preached correctly, Christ sounded a gospel trumpet and gave assurance to a dying thief that couldn't get it down and undo what he did, couldn't be baptized, was not going into purgatory, did not have to do anything. He just confirmed that the law was written in his heart. The poor man was a sinner and knew it. God wrote it. Jesus was already inside him as a spirit of grace. Now he confirms, you're going to be with me in paradise. And that thief could die in peace, sitting up there for three hours in the darkness. The other thief was over there railing, continues. And, and, uh, but this thing, you can imagine thinking, when's my last breath? Lord, I am ready. And Son of God gave up. Son of God committed the Spirit to the Father at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And you know what? They came and they broke those thieves' legs. Because that's how they died. That, that was, you can imagine somebody breaking your legs. But I can just see that thief right now because it's suffocation. The, the cross was cruel. You suffocated to death. Because all of your weight is pushed down. And what, what's holding yourself up is your legs. You know, you can imagine for three hours they've been just holding themselves up so they can breathe. And then when the Roman soldiers come and break your legs, then you're just like this. All of your weight goes down. You cannot hold yourself up. And don't, don't you think that's the best pain that man has ever felt? Break them. <laughs> break them. I'm going to suffocate quicker. I'm going to paradise today. But it's not because of anything I've done. <laughs> I'm justly going to be condemned what... What, what I'm doing today, but this, this man that done nothing against, he, I miss, he's my Savior. <clears throat> now, if I could preach a sermon like the Lord Jesus Christ in, uh, in, in a matter of a few words, 
You know, because the, the trumpet of God is a comforting trumpet if it's blown correctly. It teaches everybody who is like the thief, who has heard the voice of God, who God has penned in his heart and in his mind that he's a sinner. There is a guarantee for everybody like that. A guarantee that they will be with the Lord in paradise. Because he was made their curse, right? Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. For what the law could not do, that it was weak to the flesh, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that you might be made the righteousness of the law. God now looks at you as righteous. It's, it's almost as if you've never broken it. What well, it is. It's as if you have never broken the laws of God. Ever. Nothing can ever be laid to the charge of God's elect. Nothing. Now that's, that's what my job is as a minister. I am to gather you together. I am to separate you from Sinai. Say, don't go back to Sinai. Lord didn't lead that thief back to Sinai and say, oh, you know, you got so much going against you right now. I just don't think it's going to work out, buddy. Good try. If you could get down and work your way out of this thing, you could. But look at you now. I do not, any minister ought not do that. Take them, move them to the land of Canaan. This is your peace and rest in the Son of God. You're bought and paid for. Live your life according to the glory and praise of God. Your rest and peace lies in this kingdom that's come down from above. Friends, let's war together. Let's gather together. If we do that, the church at Buffalo will prosper. We'll prosper together. May God richly bless every one of you.